0: Hey everyone
1: it's cameron
0: and gabby and you're listening to the literally us podcast
1: where we talk about romance books pop culture and everything in between
0: we're also members of the amazing frolic podcast network and make sure you follow us on instagram to stay up to date on podcast news and share your favorite reads
1: here is part two of our interview with kate claiborne So rom-coms have been, as you've noticed, I'm sure, rom-coms have been such a popular subgenre in romance within the past few years. Do you think this trend would fade away and another subgenre will become popular? And if so, which one?
2: You know, it's so interesting because it seems like there's quite a lot of, I mean, speaking of kind of social, social media and conversations on social media, it does certainly seem like there's a lot of debate about what the term rom-com means and whether or not the romance community uses it appropriately, right? Like, or sort of how we interpret what a rom-com is. Like, does it have to do with how the cover looks? Does it have to do with the kind of plot we're getting? So it's really interesting because, yeah, I totally agree that rom-com seems to be the trend right now, even as everybody is having... I think smart and kind of nuanced conversations about what this term means and how it's being deployed by publishers, by authors themselves and things like that. I do think that we might be due for some kind of sea change in romance and like what people are reading. I think if you look at the genre over time, you can see that kind of trends and tastes often shift following sort of big historical moments or big changes in society or in the culture. And I think the pandemic has been one of those. And so I think that might hasten some kind of shift, but it's always hard to predict what that might be. And also, I think the industry has changed and access to books has changed so, so drastically in the last 15 years or so that... It might be that kind of rom-coms are here to stay. It's just that you might be seeing them sort of promoted differently or in different formats or things like that. Like I've really been interested in seeing kind of this rise in audio only releases that are kind of sort of short rom-coms. And that's been sort of interesting for me to see happening in the genre. So I I think there's a lot happening.
0: I think what what really happened with the rom-com, like the whole genre, is that rom-com and illustrated covers kind of became one of the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so people never really knew what they were like getting what, with that. So I think that's why the debate has always been such, is kind of so broad because there's some books that have been really shown with illustrated cover and that's very cheerful and fun. And then you read it and it's really sad and you're like, what was I getting here? Yeah. And so it's it's really interesting the conversations that have been happening and I think with the pandemic, I think we might I'm hoping like maybe some dystopian or paranormal or something is going to come out just to shake it up and something totally different would be so fun.
2: Yeah, I've been wondering about that and I've heard other I've heard other people kind of been speculating on that too like is this kind of the moment for paranormal to to make a big return to the romance stage and I'm certainly going to be watching that closely. Um one of the books I have on my TBR Suleika so Snyder's Big Bad Wolf. I don't know if you guys oh. have heard of that one, but, yes. but I have that on my TBR, and and, I, and it's sort of a dystopian paranormal. And I've I've heard people just rave about this, and I think that she is doing kind of interesting things with the world we live in. You know, so some of the themes of her of this sort of society that she's created are are reflected in our own society, and so I'm I'm really excited to take a look at that one.
1: Oh, that sounds so good. I've seen that cover. It looks amazing. Isn't that cover? Inc- it's so,
2: I think that cover is one of the best of the year. It's so striking, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's because it stands out. Like there's nothing that looks like that.
2: Yes. Like yeah.
0: you, you can't even like see like, oh, that reminds you of something because it's just so different. Yeah, and I
2: I love when that happens. Like I love when a cover me like that too. comes out, and you you are just like, oh man, this is you know this is so fresh, this is so striking.
0: I'm buying it right now. Okay, <laughs> Good. You speak, yeah. I just bought it.
1: Good. <laughs> oh, you have to tell me how it is. I can't. I I've been seeing it everywhere. I can't stop looking at that cover, and I've gotten so many recommendations about it that I think I I need to pick it up.
2: Yeah. Well, we might all be reading it around the same time then. That's okay. Yeah, yeah for sure.
1: <laughs> and one one of our favorite authors, Kay Tucker, we had her on the show last year, around this time, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she was talking about how she wanted to be trying something different too in the space of sci-fi, paranormal. And I think she's working on a project right now. So we oh, have that's our exciting. eyes on that. Yeah. That's exciting. So I feel like there is sort of a lean towards dystopian paranormal kinds of romances where you know we're not living in our current climate we're trying something yeah different. maybe
2: everybody's you know after being in our houses for so long everybody's imaginations might just be going wild yeah definitely.
0: i've also been like looking for so many like travel books because like we're not traveling anywhere so I've been like oh let mm-hmm. me like go on vacation through a book so i de- i think yes i definitely think i think you pegged it i think because of the pandemic we're gonna see a wide variety of different books, at least I hope. I mean, I'm excited.
1: Me too.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's all, it's always really interesting to, you know, depending on sort of how you're publishing, if you're publishing traditionally, obviously, it's, it's quite a while before, you know, kind of writing to publication, but there's always like this interesting little lag time. Um, And right now, you are seeing books that were either drafted or kind of partially drafted, during the first part of the pandemic. So Love at First, like the kind of second half of Love at First was written in the early part of uh, the pandemic. And so it will be, again, like with the benefit of hindsight, when you're thinking about the books that, that are coming out at this time, it will be interesting to think about like what, what textures exist in those books that reflect, you know, that early part of the pandemic we were living through.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to see, because I'm reading a contemporary right now and there's no mention of like face masks, but I'm really curious to see how, because our world has changed. We're living in a different world now and I'm interested to see how that is going to play out because like in New Jersey and I know New York's the same, like you can't go into any place unless you have a face mask on. So how is that going to play out into romance books? Because they really do describe, you really describe like, like people's facial cues and all things like that. But now you're only going to be looking at people's eyes. And I wonder if it's going to play into um, author's writing.
2: Yeah, it will be interesting to see um, how or whether this shows up.
1: Now those descriptions of brooding eyes are really going to make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) we're all paying a
0: lot more attention we're going to hear about like smizing like what what Tyra Banks used to say and all that that's what it's going to be yes absolutely she with her eyes
1: (laughs) now did Nora's work from home setup? Um, like, was that influenced by the pandemic or was that separate?
0: This is
2: really weird. But when I started writing Love at First, like Nora was always working from home and Will was always a doctor. And the residents of the building were all kind of um, a bit older. And the book I knew largely was going to take place in the building rather than, you know, obviously, love lettering was. So much about like being out in the city. Right. And I knew that love at first was going to be much, um, kind of smaller in scope, but it's just really weird. Like I, I think I was a little less than the full halfway through when, um, the pandemic really hit here. And I just think all those things about the book just took on an additional meaning. Um, they felt different as I was writing them. And so like, for example, writing the, uh, video call conversations between Nora and her best friend. You know, I don't know if I would have been able to do that as richly without the experience of the pandemic. But yeah. that's how I I talk to a lot of my friends now. And so it f- it feels like a much more real experience to me than it maybe would have, um, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago.
1: Absolutely. I mean, work from home is also I kind of feel like a new reality of sorts, because yeah. I don't know that anyone's going to be like, I feel like a lot of people probably moved away permanently yeah. and are going to be working from home for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, there are little moments in the book. I, as a writer, I think, I, I don't know, probably a little like Meg, I'm always hiding little things in my in my books, which, which may or may not get picked up. But like, in Love at First, there's a scene where Nora is feeling very cramped in her office space, Mm -hmm. like she, you know, it's like she can't get her work from home space to work. And, you know, that was a little bit of a gesture to kind of those early days of being home and trying to make work from home make sense or trying to make it comfortable. There's a scene in Love at First where Will is temporarily fostering these kittens, and they've destroyed all the toilet paper in his apartment. And he's like, you know, like, they've ruined all the toilet paper. I was thinking about, you know, all this like, Toilet paper panic in, in the early stage of the pandemic. Oh my gosh, yeah, so there are little there are little <laughs> things like that that were kind of about those early times.
0: So we want to play a quick game. It's called we play dip, date ditch devour. Love it. And we want to do the trope edition. Okay. So you have to pick one to, that you would date, one that you would ditch, and one that you want to devour. Okay. So the options for the tropes are it's like hero trope. So it's cowboy, billionaire, and duke.
2: Okay. Ditch billionaire. Easy. Okay date duke and devour cowboy. Ooh, I I really I really love okay. a cowboy. You remember me mentioning Beverly Jenkins historical westerns? Like yes. I mean I love a cowboy. Mm-hmm. I really love it.
1: Those stets and hats really do it yes, for ma- me. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I think it's because I said this before but I think it's because I don't know anything about cowboying. Like I don't know anything about ranches. I don't know anything about horses. That's entirely different from my experience. So like literally anything can happen in those books and I believe it. I'm like, that sounds realistic (laughs) for a ranch. That seems,
1: yeah. So I love cowboy books. We all love a hero who's good with his hands. Right. (laughs) Yes. Great point. reading like western
0: romances cowboy romances it's almost like historical because like just like you said we genuinely have no idea yes. yeah. whether what they're saying is right or wrong yeah. so it's just like let's just go along with it
2: yes I joked with somebody once I was like you you could tell me that they were like you know that they were herding penguins and I'd be like okay
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> So if you could co-write a book with any fellow romance author, who would it be? Oh gosh, I would be just such
2: a disaster collaborator. I'm a very slow writer and I'm also kind of a messy writer in that I I write all out of order and I go through sort of long periods where I'm not writing and then periods where I write a whole lot at once. So I just feel like I'd be a a real (laughs) disaster um, to collaborate with. I think there are writers that I respect so much that I would love to learn from. So a friend of mine in the romance community is Sarah McLean. And I think Sarah thinks so hard about plot and how plot serves emotion. And I I mean, I think I could learn so much from her. So she's somebody that comes to mind.
1: Absolutely. She's a very prolific author. And I feel like she's always trying something different with her books. And you've seen that from the start of her career. There have been subtle shifts in the way she's approached writing. Yes, I totally agree.
2: I think she is also a writer who pushes herself in terms of craft, and I find that really wonderful. Definitely.
0: Is there a group of fellow romance authors that you work with or rely on when writing? Yeah, I think over time. You know, when I first
2: started writing romance, I was extremely not online. And and I wasn't part like early on, I was not part of RWA. I didn't really know a lot about RWA. It kind of took me a while to after i started writing to kind of get into the community but i think the more time that has passed the the more community i've found and friendships i've formed and i i feel very lucky to have some wonderful friends. Sarah is certainly somebody who i rely on especially when i'm kind of when i've got sort of the early stages of an idea i often talk through things with her. Lauren from Christina Lauren is a good friend of mine who has helped me a lot reading my work. So there are definitely writers that I talk with about writing as a writer. I've never had kind of like beta readers or like a consistent practice in that way, and I th- I think that's probably again because my writing process is is sort of unusual, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm not always writing. I guess consistently enough that I feel like oh I have pages to show my critique partner or something like that.
1: Gotcha. We're f- big fans of Christina. Limes. Oh, they're aren't aren't they just wonderful? Yeah. They're great. I mean, we've been like heart. We've been
2: fangirling them for years. I adore them. I love their books so much. I mean, those
1: were some of the first contemporaries I read and they are so wonderful. Agreed. Same with us. They were like some of the first romance authors we've read.
2: And I also I just also have to say I have a really wonderful editor, too. And so my editor does a lot of kind of heavy lifting with my writing, which is wonderful.
1: Oh, that's terrific. It's always good to have that strong partnership, you know, that you can rely on in-house, too. So what would be one piece of advice you would give to someone
0: who is just starting to write? So
2: I think that the piece of advice I would give to people is, I guess, to be somewhat wary of advice. But I mean that in a really, I I guess I don't want to suggest that I mean like tune out advice, because I think advice can be really helpful. But I also think there's something really important about learning to, I always kind of say like, focus on your own paper. And I think that's because for me, at least writing is a pretty individual pursuit. I often when I hear other writers talk about their processes, it's easy for me to feel anxious about my own. I'm a pretty, I don't know about you guys, I'm kind of a type A personality. I like to do things well, I like to uh, do things in in an organized way. You know, writing is not really like that for me. It happens a little differently for me. And so Over time, I think something that's become important to me is learning how to trust my own process a bit and take the advice that can really help me, but also know the advice that is is not going to help me or that is going to create more anxiety for me. So I think my, my general advice is kind of like, be careful of advice and also... Just sort of pay attention to who you are as a writer, like know yourself as a writer, know what your strengths are, pay attention to what your process is, pay attention to what things will kind of clam you up and stop you from writing and pay attention to the things that seem to open you up to the world. I just think knowing that about yourself is a, a really important part of making this career sustainable for you.
1: That is such good advice. And I agree. I feel like a lot of advice that I've heard writers give is being on either sides of like the plotter versus. Pantser conversation. And if you're someone who's one or the other and you're getting like the opposite advice of what you do, sometimes it can make you feel insecure and make the writing process feel like it's a chore. And if it feels like a chore, then it's that much harder to get it done. So I do, I like the idea of like trusting your instincts and knowing what works for you and you alone. Yeah. And I I also
2: just think so much writing advice, uh, again, is like super well intentioned, right? And it's good advice and it's Mm -hmm. coming from a great place. But also, a lot of times, writing advice is really without context. Um, So you might hear somebody say, like, you need to write every day. Writers write every day. Um, Or, um, you know, you need to write this many words a day or something like that. And, you know, some writers, they can't write every day. Uh, They might work a day job that keeps them at work for 12 hours a day. And they might have kids Mm -hmm. at home or they might have... You know, they might not have a room of their own in which to write in. Um, so, you know, absent that context, um, some writing adv- advice just doesn't make sense for some people, right? Um, some people can only write on the weekend or, you know, a couple of days a month or whatever. And so there are, there are lots of ways to be a writer is what I would say. Yeah.
1: I once heard an author say that um, they – will, like, lock themselves in their office for, like, 24 hours and just, like, write, 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 and then come out looking like a zombie, <laughs> which might be more on the extreme side. But, again, it's, like, it it's what works yeah, for Yeah, whatever gets the book done, right?
2: Yeah. And the, I think people change over time, which is – which, you know, happens with lots of different kinds of jobs. Um And so always being open to kind of change is good, but – But also, you know, being comfortable with yourself is important
1: too. For sure. So what do you have coming up in the pipeline? So
2: I'm working on something new
1: now, another
2: uh, standalone contemporary. This one is, I'm hoping going to be out in summer 2022. So I've uh, started drafting that. I'm
1: working on it now. I'm, I'm excited about it. That sounds so fun. We can't wait. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us on this episode. It was so fun to chat romance with you. We can't wait to read what you write next. Thank you so much for having me.
2: This was a great conversation with really great questions, really thought-provoking questions.
1: Yay! (laughs) We love that. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, so Kate's new book... Love at First is available now wherever books are sold. It's uplifting, relatable, and full of swoon and fresh perspectives and banter, of course. So be sure to check it out and let us know what you think. And until next time, bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Thanks, everyone.